Katie Alexander. I'm Oliver Melvin. I'm Maudra O'Sullivan. And I'm James Calloway. We are here to demystify all the questions you have about the acting industry, or at least try to. In these podcasts, we'll be interviewing people in the industry who we've invited to give you valuable advice. We will be learning as much as you are along the way, as we are also trying to figure it out for ourselves. And we'd love to hear your questions and topics you'd like to discuss, so feel free to touch base on Twitter, at MintFaceProd, or leave us a comment on our website, mintface.co.uk, or by email team at mintface.co.uk. Hello there, and welcome... That sounds really fake. (laughs) (laughs) Hi there. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to MintFace Talks Acting, with me, Alice Halewood. Ola O'Sullivan. Hello. And Mackenzie Alexander. So, what have we got this week, guys? So, today we are very excited to be talking to Gronya Byrne. She used to be artistic director of her theatre company, Scarlet Harlots, which later just became Scarlet Theatre. And she is now teaching fellow of theatre practice at the Guildford School of Acting. But first, we can have a quick chat about what life's been like since graduating. Gone five months Damn. ago. Mm. So what have you guys been up to? Been in a couple of shows. It's been going all right. Had yeah. a few auditions, yeah. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know about you guys, but it's exactly what I thought it was going to be because we were kind of prepared for it to, you yeah. know, you're not going to be in something. Shooting up the ranks really, really yeah, quickly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of graft that you have to put in. Definitely. Which, you, which you've learned, you have to be on it all the time. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> not rely, you know, on anyone else to find you work but be proactive about it mm. similar to you really i've just done a few self-tapes yeah. and uh been in a show with some old friends it's really hard like i'm i feel really really lucky that my agents he keeps getting me auditions to stuff so i'm struggling at the moment with trying to get my foot in the door of like a of a bigger role of just being a brand new graduate it's it's really hard but i was lucky enough to perform for to do a five-week run up north with a great theater company and then now I'm back just auditioning again. And one of the people actually, one of the audience members asked me, they were like, um, it's right near toward the end of the show. And he said, so um, what have you got planned next? What have you got planned next? And I just said to him, unemployment, because I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's funny, isn't it, when people say, oh, do you know what you should do? You should get a part on EastEnders. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I oh, had the, oh, do you I've know what? Idea. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I had that I over Christmas. I had yeah. that literally over Christmas. And um, like, they'll give you a part. They'll give you a part. They're, just, they're really nice over there. I'm like, how do you know? I haven't written in before. <laughs> yeah. to, just, maybe I should just walk on set yeah. of EastEnders. Don't you, don't you love it as well when... Um, when you're doing a short film or a student film or something and you tell someone that you're doing a film and they go, oh, when's it going to be in the cinema? When can I see it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, honey, no. <laughs> um, so, Orla, what is your pick of the week this week? Oh, yeah, so this week we're doing embarrassing stories. Um, <laughs> this week I sent a really important industry-related email to industry people and you were um, really smart about it, weren't you? I was really so, smart. <laughs> so smart about it. And I've written, because I was sending the same email out to a lot of people, I put two names. I put dear X, and then a few lines later, I forgot to delete another name. So it says dear X, and then dear Y. I'm not going to say the actual <laughs> names because I don't want them to know it was me. It's okay. I've done, I've done oh, similar things. God, I've, done, um, yeah. I've sent an email to... Um, I sent an email to somebody and I sent an email to somebody else um, at the same time and then they both replied and one of them said something about, um, yeah, we're actually trying to find like lots of musical theatre people to like take on our books and stuff and then I so I emailed 
the other one back saying, good luck with the hunt for MTs. <laughs> and then, obviously, they I should have sent it to the wrong person. They had no yeah. idea. <laughs> Proofread. Proofread yeah. your emails. Yeah. It's very important. Mm. Yeah. So what about you? What's your embarrassing story of the week? My embarrassing story of the week. So I was like, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to go and support some um, fellow alumni. And when they were putting on a show up at, in London this week, and um, I had been rushing around for the whole day, got up in the morning, went to training for work, and then had an audition, saw a friend, and I was putting off eating for the whole time. And then I was halfway through the performance. And uh, <laughs> I just fainted on the person next to me halfway through. So it's so not people funny. Been, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's not funny. But people have been asking me, like, how it's, like, oh, how was it? How was it? It was, like, a really, really good piece of theatre. And I was like, yeah, it was really, really good. I mean, I missed the middle. But, uh, but yeah, it was great. And then I... I kind of like came to after a while and the, like the girl, two people down from me who was in the group of the people, of the guy who I fell off, who I like fainted on, she was like laughing. And then at the end I was like to him, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm really embarrassed. And I think I fainted during that, but he didn't really listen. He was just like laughing at me. So then I just had to walk off and then went to Cafe Nero, got some carrot cake and went home on my way. <laughs> Thank God for the carrot cake. Yeah. Just yeah. slight embarrassment. Yeah, Alice, what Not was your... Just um, my three-year-old daughter keeps trying to get naked <laughs> in public. Um, the struggles of being a mum. Yeah, in public is worse and you just have to kind of gently explain to her, look, you can do it at home. It's not <laughs> at home but not here. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I think what we can take away from that is proofread... Mm-hmm. Eat and don't get naked. Don't get naked in public. In public, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never get naked, guys. This yeah. is number one never rule about ever. <laughs> also, it's a bit chilly to get naked even at home at the moment. <laughs> I know. What? She doesn't feel the cold though. Mm. Kids are weird. Wow. We're also bringing to you a couple of really, really cool things. So we're not going to start this this week. We're going to start it maybe in a few weeks' time when we've hopefully got a few new listeners. So make sure you go and tell your friends about us. But um. But we're starting a monologue Mondays, which is we'll tell you when it's coming up, and you can post, you can send in a video of you um, just performing one of your best monologues, one of your favourite ones, and we will post it on our social media, we'll post it on our website. Just try and get you a bit more um, exposure, a bit yeah, a bit more, a bit more exposure for just to just to help you out in your acting career. We thought we'd yeah. help you out for helping us out by listening to our podcast. And who knows who could see it? Um, <laughs> you know. Without any further ado, <laughs> shall we get on with the interview? Yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. Amazing. Right, we'll see you guys on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> you did not just say that. <laughs> um, hi, everybody. We're so excited to be here with Karanya Byrne, where we'll be discussing um, setting up a theatre company and all that that involves. Hi, Karanya. Hello. Um, so would you like to tell us a bit about Scarlet Theatre and um, what your involvement was with them and what you got the company to achieve in its time. Certainly, yes. Well, very nice to be here, and I'm very glad that you're setting up a theatre company. I think it's a great thing. Thank you. Um, So, Scarlet Harlots began in 1981, um, and I was a wee baby at that time, so (laughs) I had nothing to do with them. Um, But um, Scarlet Harlots made a name for itself by creating a show called We Who Are The Beautiful, and he went to the Edinburgh Festival and scored an absolute blinder. Um, And it was about um, the burning of women um, in Cromwell's time. 
So it's not a light um, thing. <laughs> uh, it was not was not a, a fun show in that respect, but mm. it was um, innovative in its form and what they were trying to do with theatre at the time. Yeah. So it was not a uh, text-based theatre. It was a physical-based theatre. Uh, All-female company, and they were experimenting what they could do with stilt-walking, mask, tumbling, and so on. So it got five-star rave reviews, and as a result of that... They applied for money through um, LBGS, which is the London Borough Grants Scheme, Arts Council. They toured that show for a while, and then they had money to make their next show. And so it went on for a number of years, making issue-based female work. And it was around the time when you had cunning stunts. You need to say that very carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Beryl and Peril, um, Sensible Footwear, Monstrous Regiment... Um, spare tire, their issues were fat as a feminist issue. At the same time, there was Gay Sweatshop, there was Black Theatre Co-op, um, there was Tara Arts, which was um, uh, an Asian theatre company. Oh, yeah, I know Tara yeah. Arts. Yeah. Oh, still going. Um, uh, Sphinx used to be Women in Theatre. Uh-huh. So, um, and in the end, we decided to change the name so that we weren't issue-based anymore mm-hmm. um, to Scarlet and we changed the structure so that I could create an ensemble. I, in this time, actually ended up joining the company as an actor. People left yes. and I decided to keep the company going uh, because there had been this money which had been put aside for women to determine their own work. Yeah. So it seemed like an absolute crime not to carry the company on. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I d- wasn't self-confident to carry the company on as Scarlet Harlots. Well, you mentioned um, about the funding and how they'd gotten the funding from Arts Council and stuff, and then you also mentioned a list of other um, companies which obviously you might have been competing over for the funding. Is there a way of getting around that for all the people who are looking to start their own company and it's just quite scary to think about starting this big pro- these big projects without having any funding to their names. It's all of their own back. I suppose I mentioned those because that was the era, that was the time when issue-based work and people had their own, um, that their own issue that they wanted to make theatre about. And later on, we became more interested in theatre form and okay. playing around with theatre. So, but the most important thing is that you have your unique selling point as a theatre yes. company and there's work that you want to do and that you that excites you and um, is new and innovative. Um, so you compete for work um, as long as what you're offering is something fresh, a new perspective, something um, that other companies aren't offering. Obviously, at first, people will model themselves on other work that inspires them and excites them, but then you um, will apply for funding based on what's unique about you and what you're going to do with it. And that's part of the um, that's part of like the ultimate message which you're getting across to people. What was um, Scarlett's ultimate message that they were well, to um, people? It kept on changing, and I think as a theatre company, my advice would be to allow it to change because you will change, your perspective will change. We got tired of issues. <laughs> I mean, um, because, um, what? Well, look, I don't want to be flippant about that. You know, there are uh, is- issues come and go, but we didn't want to... Um, uh, we, we looked at 
things like aging and how uh, society perceives women. We looked at mental health and women, um, and we used uh, famously mad people like Ophelia and Lucia de Lammermoor and uh, Bertha Mason from Jane Eyre. Um, so, so, and we we tied those literary characters in with um, how society perceives mental illness and um, how women were sectioned far more often than men. So that became, that was, and that was a very innovative piece of theatre. It was called La Folie. And it's still very relevant right still now. Still very it? relevant now, absolutely. Mm. I suppose um, when I became artistic director, I was interested in um, European theatre and mm. artistic form, and so it went off in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, and I was tired of the th three female formats, and later on decided to expand the company so we had bigger casts and also we invited men into the company but we still had a female board of directors yes. and we still wanted to champion um, female directors yeah. and we when we invited men into the company it wasn't at the expense of the number of female actors that were working for us at the time so if we always wanted to have five women on stage then we just brought, brought in four men we, cer we certainly didn't give them bigger parts, but we, it allowed us to experiment with the scale and the dynamic of the work that we wanted to do at that stage. But Which we is spent really innovative at the time. Really, yes, really. absolutely. We spent years and years and years, you have to understand, um, with shows which we were very, very proud of, which we toured around. We did a show that I was very excited by my... I think at the beginning of my tenure as artistic director called uh -huh. Vows. And so it was a bit more poetic rather than issue-based. And it was, what are the dreams that we have for ourselves as children? What is it we think we're going to turn into? What are we going to become? Mm -hmm. And then we had the threshold of the women uh, in their early 20s saying, actually, I've become something quite different to what I imagined. And we did that very poetically by having dolls as children that we buried. And later on, we dug them up again. <laughs> <laughs> and they were horrific. Okay. Uh, um, so, uh, and we started to work with writers. At first, it was work that would be devised ourselves. And then yes. we wanted to work with, um, got, got money, in fact, to commission new plays. Mm -hmm. So we would have a period of time where we would create the ideas behind the show for two weeks the writer would go off and write and then we would rehearse that show yeah. we wanted to experiment with starting points one time we got two designers to create a set for us uh -huh. we didn't know what the show was going to be but we let the set inspire us all of the experimenting and flipping from like devised and to new writing and stuff seems really um like hearing with what you were saying about letting your message uh letting the company message change as it goes along and yes. I think that's such that's such like a relief and an eye-opener for us as a new company to not feel the pressure to have to stick to all these different things and make sure that you're make sure you're fitting yourself in the right places immediately and it's just a journey for us to go on mm. I was just wondering if you had like any other really useful tips for people starting their own company well um, just to go back on what you've said and I, w I will answer that yeah. um I think we were a place for women to determine their own work. Yes. And so um, within that, we gave ourselves permission to take it where we would. Um, so that's a good tip for you. Uh -huh. um, um, if also, we can find that, if we can find that um, 
the bass and then you can experiment off that as well. Yes, and, and within that we knew artistically that we were we wanted theatre elements to be very strong. We wanted sounds to have its own. We sonic, the sonic line through a show was very important to us. So it was never to simply describe what was going on, never to describe the words, but to have its own commentary. So we always worked with a sound designer, yes. and we were very excited by sound. And we wanted to work with light in a new way. Sometimes we would work with just spots on us, yes. and... Um, it would be psychological space created by lighting. Yes, and we'd yeah. always work with a lighting designer. So collaboration was a very important part. We didn't want to simply put on a play. We wanted to yes. look at what theatre could do, because theatre is very different from reading a play or, um, or a book yes. or watching a film. What can theatre do? And therefore, uh, what can other artists bring to the collaboration with us? Yes. So uh, we, we were very excited by, that was our artistic experimentation. And our mission statement, um, our most recent mission statement, we're going to take a piece of paper that might rattle for you, but here <laughs> we are. Um, our mission statement was, Scarlet Theatre aims to become leaders in imaginative practice and theatrical experiences. Okay. So that encompasses all sorts of things. And then from that, we would have a vision, and our vision would be based on where we're at at the moment. Okay. Um, and uh, we've got several things here. I might pick some of them out. Um, at the time that we wrote this artistic strategy, it would have been um, to find a new company base in London. Actually, that would be a very ambitious thing to do now with prices in yes. London. But at the time, we were able to do that. Um, and then there was a, a, a side thing that I wanted to do to replenish us artistically, and that was uh, to set up a lab for experimentation to continue in, uh, to develop cutting-edge work. So that yeah. might be inviting... Uh, one time we invited a cartoonist in, oh and we my. wanted to see what a cartoonist could do with um, bits of um, uh, scenes that we were working on. Um, to have that kind of um, mirroring of what we were doing back in cartoon form. Um, so uh, to develop an ensemble company or a wide pool of actors. So, uh -huh. so we would decide what our mission statement would be and then we would decide um, what the vision of the company was going to be. So th these were always things that we were aiming towards. Um, uh -huh. And dream I suppose mm. really um, what would you really like to do I always believed as well in our office in Scarlet that we would put a big calendar up five year calendar uh -huh. and we'd put on that what we intended to do when yeah. and work it out strategically and we would dream a lot while we did that yeah. um, but we always used the calendar and most of those things came true so that's you'd recommend that for a group to like really um, just get a calendar plan up and yeah. just try and stick to it as yes. best you can yeah. form a strategy. Yes, your strategy is of course very important, but it's only as good as the ideas that you have. Yes. Can I just ask, so about the fringe theatre, and I've done a bit of fringe theatre before, and I think it's it's very difficult to kind of do what you were saying about incorporating strong ideas with lighting and sound when you have maybe a 20 minute tech turnaround time or you don't have a residency somewhere and also kind of going to the Edinburgh Fringe and you know 
hitting it off there that's also very rare and very difficult to do so do you have any tips on how to combat that when you don't have a lot of money as a company and you you're kind of starting out that way in fringe theatre make friends <laughs> with um very good designers um and actually when something is simple it normally when you have a very very good idea just simplify it and make it m even more essential so go with that idea and take it to as far as you can with it so for example we had just these spots on us uh -huh. at one time that can be replicated anywhere yeah. mm. um, the way that you use sound mm -hmm. can be innovative but it doesn't mean that you have to have all sorts of technical equipment in order to do it so uh, really experiment with taking your ideas as far as they can be done and then find the essence of that idea and then simplify it. That's a yeah, good advice. Thank you so much. Thank I think you. we're just running out of time, yeah. but um, if there's one last piece of advice you would give? Uh, don't fall out with each other. Okay, that goes. I think that goes. That goes a long way with our yeah. with our ethics as a whole. I think mm. it's just um, when you're in the acting industry, just like work hard um, and then don't be a dick. And I think that's our yeah, <laughs> that's our like main motto um, as well. Yeah, <laughs> give and take, compromise with each other, but not with the work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been absolutely amazing having you on, Grania. And my pleasure and good luck. You're very very busy, so we should all appreciate you must it. Thank go you. And direct <laughs> in three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> thank you very much. Seeing you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much to Grania Byrne for talking to us just now. Yeah. Um, Very inspiring. Wasn't yeah. It? Really generous with her time, I think. Yeah. Which she always is, which I think is like a really good number one rule for actors. And getting involved in everything. Yep. So, best bits. I thought it was really um, interesting and I think a good bit of advice to kind of give the components of lighting and sound and acting and all the elements of the piece the same kind of gravitas, the same importance. And, yeah, as I said before, it's, you know, it's difficult to do that in a fringe setting, but if you can, you can make it simple. Everything stripped back and stuff. Yeah. And using what you've got and not over-exploiting. And having everything there for a reason yeah. and nothing surplus. And we can do a lot nowadays, like a lot more um, with media and mm. yeah. sound and that kind of thing. So we did a lot of that in my undergrad course, like a lot of exploding um, plays and just like live theatre with um, video recordings and sound recordings. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, so it was very much kind of you start wondering uh, where the performance is, whether it's here in the now uh -huh. or there and yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Something which I picked up on is the need to stay like um relevant and current and uh, think of new ideas in a world where i feel like like it, like the acting industry the film industry like the music industry as well there's so much there's so much going on and grania with um with scarlet harlots managed to find a way of finding something new at the time i think about having um like a full female um, ensemble of actors who were and and also on the board members and directors everyone was female and that was really like innovative at the time, mm. which I think is really important now, yeah. especially as it's still it's still like a topic at the moment. Yeah. Um, but no doubt, like theatre companies such as hers paved the way for 
other women to create work by themselves. And like since I've graduated GSA, all the work I've done has been with, it's just happened to have been with all female theatre companies and all female casts. And yeah. I love working with women. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's theatre companies like Grania's yeah. that w- have kind of helped that to happen. Well, I was thinking, I was saying this a bit to you guys earlier, but about um, why we're not getting enough exposure in like stories and narrative in the theatre at the mm. moment is because perhaps in throughout history, women were never really given the opportunity to have accolades and to and to create um, tales which would be told in the future. It was all kind of forcibly down to men, perhaps. Male and so Yeah, and so maybe when stories are being told, like documentary things are coming out, um, like like loads of the wartime ones, especially, and like period stuff, there's going to be male leads because male were given the opportuni- men were given the opportunity mm. to have those... Those, um, all female leads, but with a male perspective. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, because male, yeah, we were saying about this as well, like about um, how authors and playwrights um, generally were male as well, mm. and people tend to write. I found about their own experiences mm. and their own. It's so lives. important, therefore, to kind of when bring women from history stories to the present day and just yeah. continue to tell them and retell them. Um, which, yeah, I think is happening more and more, which is great. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Alice, what was your best To be honest, I wrote wrote a load of notes um, and then I read through them and they were all kind of saying the same thing and didn't really make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Lots of important things to take away from that. Mm. Especially, I just love what she said at the end, just be nice to people. I think that's so... When you're so wrapped up in just, I have to be a good actor. Yeah, that's yeah. so important. It's just like, oh no, you can you can still be nice to people and still. Yeah, and it makes you feel better. Like it's it's obviously stressful going to auditions and um, being nervous. But if you just talk to people and if you just make human connections, it can improve your day and uh-huh. improve your mood and just improve how you present yourself to the industry. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Cool. Well, I think that wraps us up at the end of our first ever episode. Yeah, we did up it. This company. <laughs> I hope that you guys have a really, really great week. Mm. And again, see you on the flip side. <laughs> no, is that a thing now? Oh, oh God, well, I think we're going to have to make it a thing. No. <laughs> we'll see you on the flip side. Okay. See you on the flip.